I heard this week something that was very, very offensive. I heard something very offensive, and it's that GPS system has been created for men because we never ask for directions. <laughs> and I heard, I heard that there are, uh, I don't remember the number, but somebody already made a calculation how much gasoline we waste for not asking directions. So we became a burden to our society and our economy. Have you ever been, men and women, have you ever been in a meeting where something important is being said? And then the speaker, that can be the school principal or a business owner or whatever, says, any questions? And nobody has any questions. Silence, silence. And then you are counting on so-and-so to ask a question because he's a little bit simple-minded. And then suddenly that so-and-so raises, ah, okay, I hope he asked a question that I have. (laughs) Bashfulness or pride or whatever deprives us from asking questions. Uh, We are terrified of group of people, and so we act in ways that are not always very reasonable. That was exactly the case of a meeting that took place 2,000 years ago, where Jesus made a most unusual announcement. The announcement is, I'm going back home. I'm going to my father. And while in there, I'm going to build houses for you. In fact, he didn't say houses, he said mansions, palaces. And then I'm going to come back and take you home. And there is silence, and the disciples are saying nothing. They are counting on Thomas or Peter to talk. (laughs) And Peter stayed quiet. He didn't understand either what happened, nothing whatsoever. But Thomas said, "Uh, Lord, um, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm paraphrasing. Um, You are going to see the father? Your father? Uh, What is him? Uh, How are you going to see the father? Um, What is the way to go there? Can we go with you? (laughs) And I can see Jesus, again, frustrated for lack of understanding, But he answered, and the answer is, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody can come to the Father except through me. Now let's be honest. Do you think that the uh, disciples understood that? I don't think so. I don't think so. Let me ask you a more personal question. Do we understand what he meant? Nobody's saying anything. (laughs) Well, since nobody's saying anything, I'm going to suggest a couple of uh, suggestions, a couple of ideas as to what Jesus meant. Because we may have in the same situations as the disciples 2,000 years ago. What does he mean when he says... I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Well, I, 
I'm going to give you a very brief version of what I'm going to say today, next Sabbath, and the Sabbath after that. When he says, I'm the way, he's making reference maybe to Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, where he says, your iniquities, your sins, your rebellion has separated you from my Father. Our rebellion has separated us from our Father, the Heavenly Father. And I came to reconcile you. There is a huge, huge bridge. And after 6,000 years, that bridge is immense, immense. And Jesus said, I love you so much. I love you so much. I want you to spend eternity with me. That was the original idea, but Adam and Eve made a huge mistake. And that mistake, that gap has uh, widened and has deepened. And so he came, and he is the bridge. He is the bridge with a cross. And he said, I'm going to reconcile you with my father. Don't you love it? Don't you love it? These three statements deal with the three most important needs that we as humans have. And if Jesus would have not come, if that process of reconciliation would have not taken place, there is no reason for us to be here. None whatsoever. No reason. Reconciliation. Reconciliation with God. Reconciliation with ourselves. There are many Christians, many Christians that have not forgiven themselves for mistakes that they have done in the past. And that is more common than you think that it might be. And reconciliation with our, with other humans. Could be even, it could be even members of the spiritual family. This week, this week it happened three times. Three times where I was invited to be part of reconciliation. And it's so beautiful. In one case, husband and wife. Another case, a friend with another friend. Another case, a father and a son. They haven't talked to each other for seven years. Seven years. Both Christians. Seven years. And how beautiful it was when finally the son, the son ran toward the father and stayed there and both cried and cried and cried and they look at each other and they embrace again and more tears and they look at each other and more tears and oh, oh, I almost started crying too. <laughs> it was so beautiful, so beautiful, so beautiful. Um, number two. In the second one, in the first one, Jesus is the... Is the um, is the uh, minister, is the one who is interceding, is the one who is accomplishing that, that reunion, that reconciliation. Number two, is reconciliation with the truth, with the revelation of God, with the revelation that is expressed right here. And sometimes, many times, we as Christians, we have a hard time. We choose whatever we want to choose, Whatever is convenient, whatever is in our judgment, okay? And we do it. And the rest, we ignore it. We just ignore it. That is very common in Christianity. That is very common among many of us. 
We do whatever we feel we should do, but we, are not, we have not been reconciled with the truth, with the revelation of God as presented in the Word of God. And number three is reconciliation with the life that we have now and the life of God that we should live. We are called to reflect the holiness, the, uh, the holiness, the sense of perfection that God exhibits. But some of us are far away, some of us are a little bit closer, but all of us need to be reconciled and discover the way to have that kind of godly, godly life. Today, I'm going to center, I am the way. That, that, that was not a new statement. That was not a new declaration for the people of Israel, for the Jews. You find statements from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation making reference to Jesus, to God, as the way. Jesus, the way. Sometimes doesn't mention Jesus by name. But he is the way to the Father. The one and only way. In the book of Hebrews, it says in chapter 10, that is a new way. And in chapter 11, it says it's an old way. New way, because after the cross, we have access to him directly through the Son. Before we did too. But it became very clear that Jesus, Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, is the way to the Father. Um, all because we cannot do it alone. We do it under the guidance, the empowerment, the equipping of the Holy Spirit. And so it's new, it's all. But it's the one and only. Nobody, nobody, nobody can be saved except through what Jesus has done. Nobody. Even, even when it comes to Romans 2. And last night somebody invited us to have dinner with him and another couple. And, and we have a very interesting conversation. Uh, very interesting conversation. How is God going to finish his labor of love here on planet Earth? And uh, somebody said, gave a suggestion, and somebody else gave another suggestion. And, and, um, and Romans 2 became part of the conversation. Even those who have never, ever heard the name of Jesus, who have never had access to the Word of God, who never hear, learned anything about the plan of salvation, do they have a chance? And, Ro and Romans 2, the Apostle Paul is very clear. Yes, they do. God implants in them, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, uh, in their conscience, the desire to do what is right. He gives us the ability to do what is right. And even, even if we never knew about Jesus Christ, God uses that. And how we respond to the voice, voice of the conscience and the thoughts that God implants in us to determine if we are going to be saved or not. Don't you love it? Oh, 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 God is, God is very gracious. I love the song that you selected too. God is gracious. God is merciful. So, none of us, none of us have the excuse. But even if we, we have never heard about Jesus, He, we are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus. Through His ministry. Well, Moses makes reference to the way. Many times. And he says, he says, all of us are commanded by God to go through the way, to obey God and to be in the way. And then in Deuteronomy, uh, at the end, in the last chapter, it says, before he, knew, he knows that he's going to die, and he said, 
after I died, I know that you are going to abandon the way. I know that you are going to prostitute yourself after idols. I know this, I know that. And he said it with pain, with agony. I like Isaiah, how he talks about the way. Would you please open your Bibles? In Isaiah chapter 30. There are two statements that I want to dwell just for a few seconds. Isaiah chapter 30. There is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful statement right there. Verse 21. Chapter 30, verse 21. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. Beautiful statement. And, and I love to find a statement like this in the book of Isaiah. Normally you find something like this in the New Testament, but Isaiah already makes reference. Uh, chapter 30, verse 21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Don't you love it? Yes, sometimes instead of being in the middle of the road, with our side placed on Jesus Christ, we take the tours, go to the right. Or go to the left, instead of going straight in the, in the power and the guidance of the Spirit. And he says, in essence, God is not going to abandon you. He will place a voice in your conscience, and he will tell you how to come back to the center of the way. Don't, don't you love it? Ah, that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Why is it that sometimes when we make mistakes, sometimes minor mistakes, sometimes serious mistakes, and then the conscience is accusing us, and ah, uh, oh, until we confess and we make amends with God and the person that we have uh, fought. And then that sense of peace again is regained. Beautiful. In chapter 35, there is another, another statement that I like very much. 35, verse 8. And I'm going to change a little bit one term. He says, and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of what? Holiness. Um, I like the name boulevards. Uh, it so happens that the country that has the largest boulevard, the widest one, is Argentina. It's about, I don't know, uh, 20, 25 lines of vehicles and parks, and, and it's gorgeous. You have been there, and you purchase a, an apartment close to the area, and uh, uh, it's just a beautiful boulevard. It's called Nueve de Julio. Immense. And you always see trees and flowers and parks in the boulevards. And you go to certain parts in Europe, and they know how to make things beautiful. They surely know. Boulevards, they are wide, and they are beautiful. And I think that God is talking right here, a boulevard, that is the widest of all, and the most beautiful of all. And the name of that boulevard is Holy, uh, Holiness Boulevard. Holiness Boulevard. And he invites us to walk through Holiness Boulevard. And look at how it closes the verse. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in what? In the way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. It's for us. It's for you and for me to walk in the boulevards of God. One or two more verses. Psalms 27, verse 11. Psalms 27, verse 11. This is a beautiful prayer. 
But I'm, even though these two verses are very similar, the ones that we are going to read in Psalms, the application is a little bit different. 27 verse 11. 27 verse 11. Teach me what? Ah, don't you love it? Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path. <laughs> that is beautiful. Teach me your ways, Lord. In Isaiah 58, it says that the ways of the, our ways are not the ways of God. They are different. The purposes of God are not our purposes and vice versa. But here it says, okay, teach me your ways. Teach me. And give me the ability to go through those boulevards, the holiness way, the holiness boulevard, and uh, give me the ability to stay there and to enjoy the sense of peace and richness and blessedness that comes through there. Well, as I said a few moments ago, the Apostle Paul, I believe he's the one who wrote the book of Hebrews. You don't need to believe that. Uh, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews says that is a new way and that is an old way. But regardless if it's new or old, it's the only way, the only way to the Father. Why is it important to know the way? I'm going to give you four reasons why it's important to know the way. And why is one of the first, the first need that we have. First of all, we are in rebellion. We are in rebellion. And the other one, the only way, the only way to come to the Father is through Jesus Christ. For what he did for us. We cannot make it on our own. He did it, and it's our option to accept it or to reject it. Very simple, very simple. And there are four benefits, four benefits that come when you accept Jesus as the way of your life. And when you walk through the holiness boulevard or holiness highway or holiness way. The first one is this. You get to know God. Through Jesus, you get the knowledge of God. There are several characteristics that God has. Many, many. But there are two essentials. One is this. God is holy. And the Apostle Peter, he urged the Christian, the believer, to be holy as the Father in heaven is holy. Jesus himself said, be holy as my Father in heaven is holy. What does it mean, holy? Holy has a synonym, and the synonym is pure, pure. Be pure as my Father in heaven is pure. When it comes to purity, there is no better example than a small child. They are so crystal clear, transparent. They are not going to play games until they learn to play games from us. <laughs> I know, I heard. <laughs> but if they don't know how to play games yet, they are so transparent, they will tell you as it is. And it will be done with love. Uh, there are so many anecdotes that I could share with you. Uh, we are close to four little ones. But I'm not going to do that today. I don't want to bore you with stories about my grandkids. But there are very, very interesting stories. What happened when, when they talk? 
and the things that he said. And you, you have to accept it because he said with so much love and so much genuineness and tenderness that you, you cannot help it, but accept it. Even if they are talking about you in a way that is not very positive. <laughs> okay. So, first of all, is the through Christ we come to the knowledge of God. Philip says, hey, show us the Father. You are talking so much about the Father. Why don't you show us the Father? And Jesus, Philip, I have been with you three years. And you are asking for the Father. I'm the reflection. I'm the perfect image of the Father. If you see me, you have seen the Father. So the better that we get to know Jesus, the better that we know the Father. It's through Jesus that we come to the knowledge of the Father. And all the way, the way takes us to the Father and to the Father alone. And to the heart of the Father. That is the purpose of the way. To lead us to the Father. Number two. It leads us to the benefits. It leads us to the benefits of God. And I would dare to say there are two of those benefits that I desperately need and probably you too. One is love, which is God's kind of love, unconditional love, particularly when those that you live with or you work with or you worship with are as human as you are. And then sometimes are misunderstandings, sometimes Things are said that they are not very nice. Or things are done that are not very holy. And that's when we need to exercise that sense of godly love. Unconditional love. Agape, unconditional, sacrificial love. And it's not always easy. It's not always easy. And the other one is grace. Which is very much linked to love. I love to work with sinners. I love to work with all of us. (laughs) There is no higher privilege than working with sinners. David and I are working together just to see if we can get that educational endowment fund provided uh, before long. And we are working with the city to see if they would be kind enough to donate us the two acres that are behind our property. And it's so difficult. When nobody answers your phone calls, and you send letters, love letters even, and they don't acknowledge anything. And so last week, We both agree that if anything happens, it will be by the grace of God and not our ability to do it. (laughs) And once we came to that conclusion, he got a phone call from the city. And we said we have to come to that conclusion that we are not as good as we thought that we were. And the only one who is good is you. And I saw David, He's, he tried to hide it from me, but he couldn't. There were tears in his eyes. <laughs> there were tears in his eyes, and there were tears in my heart. Um, when you see that God is doing something, 
And then he called back that individual, and it was a very nice conversation. A conversation that gave us hope that something good may happen. You pray for that, okay? Pray for that, all of you, that God may give us the ability to have that endowment fund that we could use just the interest to pay for the tuition of our kids and help a little bit with the subsidies that always go up, up, up. And, and then be able, every child who wants to go to San Diego Academy, be able to do that. Or to El Cajon or whoever, uh, facilitated by the endowment fund. So please pray about that. The grace of God and nothing else. We are what we are. Because of the grace of God. One of you asked me to call somebody else. There was tension. There was tension. There was division. There was separation. And I have to pray. I have to pray a lot before I call that person. Um, I have to pray a lot. And so I waited to the next day. And I prayed before I dialed the numbers. Please, Lord, if it's your will, may that individual pick up the phone and be receptive to what the message that I have. Okay, Lord, here it is. <laughs> I didn't have to wait long, just one bit. Hello, hi, Julio. <laughs> How are you? And then I share the message. And let me tell you something. Because God is love and God is grace, the answer was good. <laughs> was good. Was good. And I was able to call that person that is here today and said, I think that there are some good news. Oh! <laughs> first, first there was silence, but later on, emotion and gratitude to God. God is good. Never, never underestimate the grace of God. Never. Another saint, another saint made a horrible mistake. A horrible mistake. And this saint thought that he had crossed the line. And that there is no hope, no hope, no redemption, nothing. And somebody who cares for this saint very much. I wasn't aware of the problem. Until this saint alerted me of what happened. And then said to this saint, okay. Ah, and part of the information was, the individual who made a mistake believes that he's so far away from God that he doesn't deserve to talk to the pastor. And I felt so horrible, so horrible. I said, okay, I'm not going to impose anything. We are going to place this in prayer. Nothing else. You pray, and I will pray. And Ephesians 2.10, it says that God prepares in advance the hearts of those that he wants to touch. I said, pray, pray with earnest. And let's see what happens. And two days after that, this saint who felt that he was not worthy because of what happened to call, called me at home. And we came here. 
and we have a three-hour feast. Praising God for His grace. For His grace. There is no sin. Listen to this, my brothers and sisters. There is no sin that God cannot forgive. His grace is sufficient for everything. Bad, difficult, weak, whatever. He qualifies you with His grace. Number three. First, we get to know God through Christ. Number two, we get His benefits through Christ. Number three, we get to fellowship with God through Christ. A testimony of that is your presence in this place. We came to worship. We came to fellowship with God. Fellowship is a rich term. It's very rich. It's something that you are looking forward. One of you told me the story of her uncle that would come to church, not our church, his church, um, half an hour before the time to worship. And the family said, why half an hour? Apparently he was famous for being on time, but that was a little bit too much, half an hour before. He said, because I come to church to prepare my heart for God. How do you like that? None of us would be late if we would come early to prepare our heart. Do you see the point? That is beautiful. We don't only come to receive. We come to give. We come to give. Do you see the point? Fellowship. But there is a reason why that fellowship should be very rich and a worship very celebratory. It's the fact that God, in his kindness, he adopted me and he adopted you. And when you have no father and you have no mother, to be adopted is very significant. I remember coming to this church about 19 years ago. I was working in another church, but somebody asked me to come here for something. I don't even remember what was the reason. And I came, and the person with whom I was going to have the appointment wasn't here on time. But there was another person sitting in a car that I never met before. So I got out of my car. I started talking with a gentleman. I introduced myself. He introduced himself and said, I'm so-and-so. I said, that name sounds very familiar. Are you related to so-and-so? He said, yeah, he's my father. Now, there are many ways of saying, he's my father. One is, yeah, he's my father. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's my father. He was so excited. He is my father. And he said, hey, that is nice. I didn't have to ask questions. He said, he adopted me when I was a baby. Well, he wasn't a baby. He was a child that was able to realize what was going on. And then he told me the story. He said he and his wife came to the orphanage in another country. And then he, uh, they wanted to adopt a child. And then went through everybody. And then they came back and they said, Hmm. 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 
And then the, uh, later on, one of the uh, administrators came and said, they want to get to know you and you and you better. And there were two girls and one boy. He was the boy and two girls. And he said to himself, I have no chance. They are nice. They are smiling. I was a rebel. And eh, there is no other chance. But, oh, but I want to. I want to. I like them. They interviewed me, he said, and the girl and the girl. And after the interview, he said, I felt better. I felt good. And then there was another interview, and we were only two. And finally, they asked the other one to leave. And they said, would you like to be our son? I said, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I said, that happened over 20 years ago, and I'm still so happy. The father is a pastor, he's a friend of mine. Uh, but I didn't know that he was adopted. I always, always assumed he was a biological son. And he was so happy and so grateful. My brothers and sisters, all of us have been adopted. I'm glad there are 15 that are happy. <laughs> Even you who didn't say anything, you have also been adopted. And he's a very loving father. He loves you as you are. Can you believe that? <laughs> he loves me as uh, I am. For me, that is very exciting. <laughs> yes, because I'm not always the person that I should be. And he says, I like you the same. I love you the same. I said, good, 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 good. Be patient with me. I am. <laughs> I am. And little by little, he carries me in the direction that I need to go. The same is true with you and with me. So when we come here, we come to celebrate that adoption. That is the richness of that fellowship. Does it make sense? Number four. He, through Jesus Christ, we will finally, finally come home to be in his presence. Can you believe we were supposed to be in the Garden of Eden today? We are supposed to be in the Garden of Eden. But our grand, 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 great, great, great grandparents made a, how do you say, boo-boo? A mistake. A mistake. And they believed the serpent instead of believing God. And we have kept doing that for years and years, over 6,000 years, believing the serpent rather than God. By the grace of God manifested in the bridge that Jesus is, and by his merits, we are going home. Home prepared by an architect that is God himself, with 12 foundations, and a place to enjoy for eternity. He is the way. And I have good news for you, my brothers and sisters. Jesus is not the only one. Jesus is not the only one that has been called to be our mediator. Would you please open your Bible in 1 Peter? 1 Peter, toward the end of the Bible. 1 Peter, chapter 2. And this verse describes you and me. And this is a beautiful text. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you, you, my brother, you, my sister, 
are a chosen people. And what says next? A royal priesthood. What is the number one duty in the job description of a priest? What is the first one? To be what? I hear rumors. Mediator. Exactly. To be a mediator. So, Jesus mediates for, for us. The Holy, if you read Romans 8, the Holy Spirit mediates for us when we pray. And we are supposed to mediate for somebody else. Don't you love it? That's why I value so much the ministry of the intercessory prayers, uh, partners. Because they are mediating for somebody else. But everybody, every Christian person is called to be a mediator. Yesterday he had a late lunch with two magnificent young people. Come, join me. Do you know these beautiful people? Okay, good, good. What's your name? Spencer. Spencer, how are you related to this young lady? She's my sister. She's your sister. I have my hands cold. <laughs> These are brother and sister. And dad is videotaping this. I can see that from there. <laughs> I love this too. Uh, they're beautiful, beautiful. They have been mediating for somebody. And the story that they shared with me, I didn't know that the story until yesterday afternoon when they shared with me. It's so beautiful. I said, would you mind sharing that story tomorrow morning? I'm going to be talking about mediation. And they said, sure, of course. What led you to mediate, to intercede on behalf of, who, who are you interceding for? Our mom. Your mom. Mm -hmm. And what happened? Why are you interceding for your mom? Who wants to talk? Well, for quite some time now, my mom has been getting some pains throughout her body, and we found out that she had fibromyalgia. And um, so she had to go through this treatment. Well, we couldn't find a treatment. Nobody knew what was happening. And so we uh, actually found out that Pastor Julio's sister had the same problem, but it got it was done. Like, uh, a doctor helped her, and um, everything's fine. Now she doesn't have it anymore. So we decided to go through the same uh, process, and what happens is that she has to cleanse her whole body. So what she had to do was she has to fast. She couldn't have anything besides... For how long? Uh, over two weeks. <gasps> and she, well, she had, what she had was uh, like apple juice and celery with celery juice as well. And... Um, and after a week, she must be up yeah. here with apple juice. Well, yeah. <laughs> and she was she was pretty weak, and um, so she used to play tennis a lot, so she had a lot of muscle, and now she's a lot skinnier than I am. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so she's she's pretty weak, but um, one day at school, what happened? That's good. Something very interesting happened. Well, like the day or night before school. Um, like my mom was like in like love pain and so I went on Facebook and then I just like asked like for people to pray for her and I had like a lot of um, responses from that like and people were like oh your mom's in our prayers and I was very thankful for that 
And so I went to school, and then I found out that, like, the whole faculty of, like, San Diego Academy was praying for her. And I was um, very thankful for that. And then, um, like, everyone was starting to come up to me, and they were like, oh, we're praying for your mom. She's in our prayers. How's she doing? And, like, um, like I was touched by it because there were so many people, like, caring for our family and such. And then um, the day of school, like, near the middle of it, my sister got a text saying that, like, mom's feeling better. So um, I was like, when, when there's a family, a family member that's really close to you that, like, is going through a lot, you you also have that feeling of like the of what they're going through, and so when I got that text, um, I, I had like a huge burden like from me, and so um, I believe that's the power of prayer going through that. And yeah. I'm going to tell you something that you don't know, uh, and yesterday I forgot to tell you this. Uh, you probably know that several of our kids, all of them, 56, went to have camp at Pine Spring Ranch, and you were there. Six of your friends who were with you, you filled up a uh, form, and you were given in that form the opportunity to pray for somebody else, remember? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you wrote, uh, please pray for my mom. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah okay. And six of your friends also asked, us to pray for your mom, six of your friends, which I thought about, very precious, very, very nice. Don't you love it? Amen. She is doing much better. She almost made it today to church. She was, what, she wanted to come and listen to her. She's going, where are you going on this coming week? Oh, I'm going back to college, to Pacific Union College. What happened last Sunday? Oh. <laughs> well, hello. Um, this is now my fiance, Ricky. He proposed to me at Disneyland. At Disneyland. <laughs> Can you imagine you are going to see Mickey Mouse instead you find him? <laughs> Those are supposed to be pie trips, you know, <laughs> <laughs> romantic occasions. <laughs> she went to support brother and others, and there is Ricky, and she thought that Ricky was someplace else. Eh? Very good. Well, congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Can we say it together? Jesus is the Oh, you can do ten times better than that. <laughs> Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Don't forget that. 